levels of intelligence Life is defined, I think of crime When I'm in a New York state of mind State of mind Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius on this Thursday therapy, this therapy session Thursday. That's what we're going to call it, Matt, on weeks that, that we lose. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Matt Matera is with me today on the Pewter Report podcast, and we're ready, folks. We're ready. We have heard, we have seen the questions, we've seen the comments. I have unfortunately read, I'm just kidding. I have unfortunately <laughs> read my mentions this week on Twitter, and I know that people are still hurting. We thought we could turn the page yesterday. People are still hurting. They're upset. They want answers, Matt Matera. And you and I are here to do the best we can to give them to people today on the podcast. Uh, we want Bucks fans to come angry, come with their questions, yes. vent it out, no matter what you think about this We will answer staff. to the best of our abilities. Right. I think it hurts more because it's it's two in a row, and there was a bye week in between that. So it's yeah. really like you've had this losing feeling for three weeks. Yeah, I mean, and it's been it's almost only... a month since the Bucks won a football game. Yeah, wow. Oh, damn, now, you're, now you're bringing me down. But yeah, I can't like... think of one thing that could bring me back up. Oh, or a segue. Yeah, look at that segue. Look at that segue. Matt's <laughs> talking about a little thing we like to call Celsius. The title sponsor of today's podcast and all of the Peter Report podcast. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential, functional energy in a variety of wonderful flavors. I'm rocking the Wildberry today. You can see that one up in the top right hand corner of the screen there. Uh, man, they got the Fuji apple pear, the orange, the tropical vibe. I just got a shipment coming to the Ledyard household the other day, Matt. It is good. We got the tropical vibe stocked up. We got peach vibe, wild berry, little orangeicle. All the favorites are up in the Ledyard household. It is great time to be over here, and it's a great time to order yourself some Celsius. Here's the thing about Celsius, folks: no sugar, unbelievable taste and flavor, but the bad stuff isn't in there that you get with other energy drinks. So it's Kind of like a cheat code, and you don't get the crash either that you get from other energy drinks. It's one of the best things about it. Um, essential energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. Uh, Celsius has changed the game for you. Just have to look in the chat anytime there's a Peter Report podcast, and you usually see a couple people commenting about how Celsius has changed the game for them. So uh, shout out what you're drinking today if you're if you're chugging a Celsius, whatever you're doing, and um, I'm rocking rocking the Wildberry for today's show. Um, hopefully that gives me the endurance to last because your boy didn't sleep much again last night, Matt. So these Celsius, they're sustaining me right now. And I would also be remiss, by the way, Matt, if I didn't mention the fast protein bars from Celsius. The link to order these, by the way, is right in the YouTube description for these fast protein bars. I'm, I'm not kidding you. The best protein tasting protein bar I have ever had. And I've actually tried a lot of protein bars in my life. These are the absolute best ones. In fact, I'll show people. Let me switch the screens off. These just came to the door. Oh, this is the yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go. Got the the white chocolate cookies and cream box, and got the caramel peanut crunch box. So we're feeling good in the Ledger house. We're ready to get pro. Oh yeah. Up. So you can. And for the record, I I have sparkling grape. Oh, I haven't. Just want the people to know. That's right. what I'm uh, okay. working with. Today. Now they know. Okay, so Bucks fans have had their chance. They they can get in here and they can get their questions ready uh, and and ask us uh, fire away. Or it doesn't have to be a question either, though. You can you can vent something. out. It could if just you be want. a comment or concern, right. as they yep. say. Questions, comments, and concerns. Literally yep. anything. Just so as those are coming into the show, and I already see a couple, but as those are coming into the show, real quickly, Matt. The injury report from today dropped. Good news, bad news for the Bucks. What did the injury report tell us about the status of some key Tampa Bay players for this weekend? So the injury report for the Buccaneers. Uh, Vita Vea did not participate. I think that was kind of a I given. Uh, neither did D Delaney or Antonio Brown. Now the Antonio Brown thing. Yeah, let's talk about let's, this. Let's just get into it now. Antonio Brown did not participate, but he was there. With a helm, technically did not participate, but he was on the field. He was uh, working on the jugs machine and working on it multiple times. First, it was just yeah. him. Then he recruited his uh, fellow Central Michigan alumni, Sean Murphy Bunting. He would catch the ball and then throw it to Sean Murphy Bunting. And then Tom Brady waltzes over. Happiest guy I've ever seen in the world. Smiling, chatting with AB as he's catching from the jugs mm -hmm. machine. And then a couple minutes later, over on the right field, the Bucks have three fields that they practice on, and um, 
The right one is normally where the quarterbacks start warming up and everything. Brady calls over his old pal, Antonio Brown, starts running a couple routes, feeling good. Everyone's happy. And then we go inside, and now we find out that it's a did not participate. So while he didn't <laughs> technically participate in practice, he, did. he was doing a lot more. For example, <laughs> right. Rob Gronkowski was a uh, was a full participation. That's great, by the way. That's a yeah. They didn't even limit him. Um, like he was ready to go. They just threw him in there. That's great news. Um, but like I saw Antonio Brown doing more things than Rob Gronkowski did in the in the uh, 30 minutes that's open up to the media. So right. uh, Good sign there. good sign for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't get uh, JPP was a full participant by the way as well. And that's a good sign. Chris Godwin limited, uh, not unexpected. there. trying to still ease him back on that foot situation. wouldn't raise any red flags there. And Vita didn't participate as you said, Yeah, but good sign for Rob Gronkowski. Definitely good sign for Antonio Brown that he was out there. Shoulder pads, helmet, all that stuff, you know, going through a few routes with Tom Brady. We'll see what the week holds uh, as it goes on for, for AB, but probably today was a step in the right direction at least. And maybe they try to get through Monday night without him, and, you know, maybe he comes back the week after. We'll see. But good sign for for Godwin Gronkowski that they're out there working. And I guess a good sign for JPP too. And seems like all the reports for Sean Murphy Bunting and Scotty Miller have been positive. I would expect them to play Monday night if there are no setbacks this week. Um, so we'll see what happens there for the Giants. Saquon Barkley was limited. Devontae Booker, the backup running back, was limited as well. Lorenzo Carter, edge rusher, starting edge rusher, did not participate. He's an ankle injury and he's been ill. Um, Nate Ebner, one of their special teamers, did not participate uh, with a knee. Uh, their fullback, Colin Gillespie, uh, was limited. Uh, Sterling Shepard did not participate. And it sounds like he's not going to play this week, probably. Caden Smith did not participate. Uh, they're uh, one of their backup tight ends. And then uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the Giants, uh, Tristan Wirf's draft mate, um, was practicing in some capacity, but he's on injured reserve. Um, like SMB and Scotty Miller, the, they don't have to announce his participation right. level in practice. So it remains to be seen whether he'll play Monday night or not, but he seems to be trending in the right direction uh, for the Giants. Okay, let's get to some of these questions or just comments, thoughts from people. Michael Henderson says, Saints have Eagles, Bills, and Cowboys. If they could lose this week, that is a lot of pressure to beat the next two. Yeah, good point, Michael. It's a big, important game for the Saints. Obviously, they've dropped two in a row since they beat the Bucs. Uh, they're five and four. I think the the situation of their season is kind of looming before them. They didn't make any real moves at the trade deadline, and now the Eagles playing a little bit better are next up on the schedule. What happens in that game is huge, right? Even if the Saints win it, they've got probably two of the top I don't know, maybe the top two teams in the NFL right now, and the Bills and the Cowboys and the Packers certainly in that mix, Cardinals. You know, but they've got them next up next in the schedule, you know, two top five teams at the very least. So tough to see. Tough to see. I mean, the Saints have pulled out some crazy stuff, even with depleted roster in the past, but uh, those are going to be tough ones for them, especially if they lose to the Eagles. Right. I, I wouldn't take the Saints lightly, even, um, you know, even in this quarterback situation right now. What helps the Bucks is the fact that the Bills and the Cowboys already had their upset moment where the Bills lost to the Jaguars and the Cowboys lost at home to Denver. I think that one was even more surprising than the um than the one with the Bills. So you gotta think like, all right, well, they already had their upset. They're not gonna let that happen again to the Saints. But mm-hmm. I, I just again going back to like the losses for the Bucks, it just seems like they could have separated themselves. Oh yeah. So from the so NFL, much. not only the division. Yeah, because all those teams lost. And then, all right, this game against the Giants should be should be a win. Um, but at this point, we don't know with the way that they've looked the last two games. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to look too far ahead. But, you know, they, they play the Colts in Indy, and the Playing Colts better. look like yeah. that they're an improving team. Yep. And that's definitely not a cakewalk. So, um, yeah, the schedule does week. does favor the Bucks there, looking at the, the Saints' next three games, as, as Michael pointed out. Mm-hmm. But... I don't think this division is even close to being figured out by any yeah. means. I mean, I'd be floored if the box barring major injury don't win the division. It just could have been wrapped yeah. up now. It could have been like, you know, I think they're like 70. I wrote this week in Bucks briefing. They're like 77% or something to win the division. I want to say right now and still like 87% for the playoffs or something. So, I mean, all those outcomes are still likely, but again, this is kind of that gut check game. Like what kind of, t- are you going to be a team that falls apart and crumbles? 
Um, or are you going to be a team that rises up, takes care of business in the next three games, which are extremely winnable games that should get you right back on track? If everything goes as expected the next couple weeks and, and the Bucks win these next three games, then the Saints lose two of their next three games. And the Panthers doesn't really matter what they do, even if the Panthers, you know, if the Panthers win, obviously their next, I think they have a buy in there over the next three weeks, but um, they've got uh, a situation for them coming up where they, they can, they've got some very winnable games, even though I, I question their roster as it's currently constructed to actually be, again, like I just don't think the Bucs are going to lose the division, but there's still this matter of that's like almost secondary to me at this point. Like it's, it's how good do you look compared to the rest of the league right now? Um, because we're getting that time week 11, man, week 11 is coming up. So good points there though, by Michael that have a definite effect on the way the NFC South is, uh, rounding out right now. So yeah, a, um, a lot of this, a lot of this, do John, I, too, do I, I I'm in a tunnel. What, um, I, sound I mean, away? it looks, a, it looks a little dark. I wouldn't necessarily no, no, say it's I like did, a, Oh, Oh, I thought he was talking about the sound. Oh, let me check. Let me check and make sure my sounds okay here. Yeah. I'm on my mic. I, I, I You sound good to me. Okay, all right. Cameron's maybe he maybe he's tripping. Maybe it's where you're listening from, Cameron. That I sound like I'm in a tunnel. Um. <laughs> but what I was what I was gonna say real quick though is uh, for a while <laughs> I I just this, is, this I question's just, for you, Matt. Okay, I, I'll read it in a second. I just want to say real <laughs> yeah. quick. I I just look at the Bucks as we do think they're going to win the division. I almost look at the importance of trying to get that number three seed versus getting the four seed. Because yeah. if you're that number four seed, you're playing whoever comes in second place in the NFC West. And I don't think you want that at all, whether it's going to be the Cardinals uh, or the Rams. Where if you get the three seed, then you're either playing like New Orleans without their top quarterback or who knows, Carolina or if someone out of the NFC North decides to go on a little bit of, of a run. But I think there's a huge, huge... Uh, benefit to not only winning the division but trying to get into the top three this year more more than uh most seasons um yeah. all right now to mike's question it's kind mike of sensitive <laughs> for us to ask a jets fan to make us feel better yeah you know what you're right you're right <laughs> no, at right. least the bucks know who their quarterback is and we're not necessarily even here to make you feel better like we're just here to answer your questions like if it's a negative thing if we believe it's a bad you know thing about that could be debilitating the team we'll say it so uh, let's dive into some here. Michael says, here it is. Here is one. Every time they use play action, it worked almost every single time. Why the hell can't they use the threat of Lenny fighting for every yard to open up the passing game? Here's the thing, Michael. It doesn't even make a bit of difference how well you run the ball as a team in order to have success in play action. There have been tons of studies done on this. I've linked a lot of those studies in my articles before. I've linked a lot of them on Twitter before. And, and really, it just falls basic logic, right? If you're an opposing team, so let's say linebacker, safety, box player, off-ball box player, uh, defensively, you your job is to respect the run on a play fake. Like if you see low hat and you read low hat for offensive linemen coming off the ball up front, they're not standing straight up like they're in pass protection. If you read that and you see the quarterback, you know, going faking the handoff, you're respecting that because if you don't, you're totally out of your gap when they run that football. So you have to respect it. So it's people have called play action like a cheat code because it really is like it. It has to hold you at least in position, depending on down and distance, obviously, whether or not they were successful on their last five runs or not. They'll be successful on that one if you're not in position. That's the reason they weren't successful on the other ones is because you read your keys and you read it out and you made a play somebody did up front so you can't really cheat that that much to, except for like down and distance if you're way down way in, late in the game your know, teams aren't running plush because nobody's going to respect it but as long as the game's in like relatively neutral situation you know you have to pretty much respect that play action so it's it is like a cheat code that's helped ryan Tannehill. it's helped daniel jones a ton this year even though he hasn't even had a great season uh, it's been a huge asset for him it's been a huge asset for kirk cousins there's been so many quarterbacks that aren't on Brady's level is just a straight drop by quarterback that it's helped a lot. And then you look at gr other great quarterbacks who have used it and seen how it's helped them too. And you realize, wow, it can just help everybody. Even if you're ordinarily great, like Brady, it still helps. So it truly makes absolutely no logical sense why every team in the league isn't using more play action. And, and the increase across the league does tend to go up every year as teams realize more and more how effective it is. The Bucs have just not been at the leader of, of that group. It's crazy because when they've games they've used it the most, every been their time best they games. run play action, it's like they're unbeatable. And then all of a sudden, they just stopped using it. Like, right. I feel like they hardly used it at all in the Washington game. And I understand, like, they're trying to play catch up for some of it. But again, yeah, if you know you're going to pass the ball anyway, then you yeah. can just go with the play action.
Um, I do think sometimes the Bucks abandon the run, and I understand the game is changing and running the ball doesn't matter and running it on first down doesn't matter. But I agree with what you said about just keeping teams honest, keeping teams on their toes. Uh, this team is so good, and you're almost – you keep saying cheat code. So I'm trying to find like another word to, to no, say. I mean, for that's it. what it is. But <laughs> yeah, it's like when you have all of this talent and this greatness around you, and then you just add like, uh, I, I've used this before, but it's like in the Fast and the Furious when you're in a race with your car and then you hit the Nas tank and you go like 100 miles per hour even further. That's essentially yeah. what it could be for the box. And they just, they really don't use it enough, or at least they haven't been lately right. and you know that's why they've lost the last two right and it's funny because there's been games where they clearly prepared to go out and use it a ton and it's been some of their most successful games whatever they think it's tied to whether it's run game success or whatever they're just wrong like they just need to use it more it <laughs> is probably the only thing about the bucks offense that i would say is indefensible even first down runs against certain looks i like i understand the argument for them, even though it's not as good as the argument against it but it's totally indefensible. There's no logical reason whatsoever why the Bucs don't use more play action pass. And when you ask them about it, they think it's tied to success in the run game. But then when they have success in the run game, they don't necessarily use it a bunch. And sometimes when they don't have success in the run game, they do use it a bunch. And that's so the, the thing. Their run yeah. game has been so much better. So it's like now you have even more of an incentive to do it. And, it just... and if that's true about your run game, why do you come out and do it on the – I mean, like there were a couple games middle of the season where they did it six, seven times on the first two or three drives of the game. So your run game isn't even yeah. established at this point in the game. You're <laughs> yeah. still doing it. And you act like – but you tell us like, oh, it's dependent on our run game. No, it's not. And you don't believe that it is either. It's, your practice shows you you don't believe that it is. Like it, there's no more play action in games where the Bucks run great than games where they don't. Uh, and so it, I don't think they even believe what they're saying. So they won't give us a straight answer ever about it, which is fine. I don't care whether they're – it's okay if they're not honest with us if they don't want to talk to us about it. But I don't know what keeps them from doing it more often because this is the second year in a row where they've been among the best teams in the league at play action. Last year they were – the best team in the league at play action passing doing it at a bottom five rate in the NFL. That is crazy. That is just bonkers. How much harder they made it for themselves by doing it. They were averaging over three more yards per play action pass compared to regular drop back pass last year, Matt, but doing it at like a rate of like 18 or 19% of their dropbacks, which is near the bottom league this year, they are up to 20.1% of Brady's dropbacks, which is like 30 one out of 35 quarterbacks or something it is it's absurd it makes absolutely no sense obviously their passing attack is still the number one ranked passing attack in the league they're still of a top five six seven offense in pretty much every category top two or three in a lot of their categories so i mean just yeah. imagine if they could do if they just accepted and that and used it all the time i i want it on the record maybe not specifically about just like play action in general but I understand right now the Bucs have lost two in a row. They're they're not looking that great. But overall, I'm not totally worried about this team. I, I truly do think, you know, teams have their their ups and downs, their peaks and valleys. And right now the Bucs are a little bit in the valley. But I think this game against the Giants is, is really a big opportunity. I keep going back and forth with this because the Giants have played the Bucks well over the last two seasons. There's really no denying that. It went down to the wire last season. And the Giants are a really scrappy team. You know, they 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 just beat the Raiders two weeks ago, and you could say what you will about the Raiders uh, recently, but they seem to hang tough in every single game. So you would think like, okay, well, this is going to be another slugfest between the Bucks and the Giants that we've seen the last two seasons in terms of just the games being close. But then you actually, I think it was you, John, tweeted out something recently about how um, we've seen other good teams get upset, like the uh, the Cowboys and the Bills, and then they both went out and decimated their opponent the following week. And part of me thinks that the, this is the week for the Bucks to do that. All right, they're finally going to take their frustrations out. Everyone is going to pick. The Giants and the spread is pretty high. I believe it's 10 and a half points or 11 and a half points. So everyone's going to pick the Giants because the way the Bucs have been playing and the way that the Giants do against the spread. And then I just feel like the Bucs are going to come out, dominate them. And then just I'll think to myself like, oh, you idiot. Like, why did I ever doubt the Bucs in the first place? So I think sometimes you got to look at it as a whole and not just like 
living play by play, game by game, because the microcosm of it all, I think that that the Bucks will be okay, in my opinion. Well, <laughs> well, I so I <laughs> I want to ramble a little bit because I sent you a text of this news article. I think that you're yeah. reading right now. I'm just uh, it's tough to, to have look a, at it right now. Yeah. It's tough to have a therapy session when this type of news drops right in the middle of the podcast and it's yeah. not good news if it's true. So from the Tampa Bay Times, I believe it's Rick Stroud. Yeah, Rick Stroud. Here. Exclusive Bucks receiver Antonio Brown obtained a fake COVID-19 vaccination card to avoid NFL protocols according to his former live-in chef. I do. I have not read this story. It literally popped right, up I, the end of the pod, as you're talking. So, I'm trying to like read it and yeah. get some of the details, but obviously not give away the whole story because obviously uh, yeah. Rick put in a lot of work to get this type of uh, you know details and information. Right. And everything. I don't want to dismiss the story or a B without having read it, and and obviously, well, you know, former living chef right away gets me like, why is he former? I'm curious about that, and. You know, and just because maybe he had one at some point, if he did, that doesn't mean that he isn't also vaccinated now. And he had COVID, remember, and uh, week right. three missed week three with it. Um, and he was probably he was under the the um, the vaccinated protocols at that point in time when his return happened, obviously. So, I'm um, yeah, we'll just I have to read this report and see. I'd also have no, I mean, obviously, if he did this and they could prove it, there would probably be you know penalties coming down on him, but his former live-in chef's word is probably not going to be enough. They're probably right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think more the, evidence than that. I don't think the NFL something. can levy a, a fine or a suspension. Right. Or anything. So, but it, yeah. if it is true, the bucks better uh, activate him quickly. So he could play on Monday. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what, how that situation is going to play out whatsoever right. or what, to what degree we'll keep trying to look as we're doing this show and answering your questions. We don't want to derail things too much with something we haven't read yet, but uh, just something to, to keep in mind there. But uh, okay. Brandon says, uh, how do you think the offense will look against the giants with Chris Godwin? I'm not sure if he played last year against the giants. Don't believe he did play last year against the giants. I'm pretty sure. I think it was Scotty Miller and, I think it was Mike. Yeah, good point. I think because he broke the finger in the Vegas game. Yeah, I don't think he played. And yeah. And um, uh, he helps a lot in just any situation, should be said, with Chris Godwin. I don't know if it's more or less against the Giants than it would be any other opponent, really. Um, The Giants, you know, you should be able to beat them them without Godwin, but their defense is playing a little bit better recently, so definitely helps. Um, Their linebackers are the weakest part about their team either side of the ball, probably the weakest part about their team. So um, d- being able to attack them middle of the field, again, play action, critical. If they use it, they'll probably have a lot of success. If they don't, I don't know, maybe it'll look like Washington. We'll see. Uh, hopefully not that bad, but it, yeah, it I'm interested to Chris Godwin too. Cause I, I thought he played okay in Washington, but granted a, a lot of the passes his way were, you know, screens and short to intermediate plays. So obviously he's playing with an injured foot and doesn't look like he's, you know, 100%. But um, I think it does play a big factor that he didn't play against them last season because yeah. a lot of times this offense goes as Chris Godwin goes, and um, especially if AP might not be able to play on Monday, obviously they they really need him. And, I mean, now's the right time for Scotty Miller to come back too, get a, just another weapon that really has been utilized this season just because he hasn't been available. And obviously Scotty Miller, there's certain moments for him, so he's not going to be your – you know, seven catch, a hundred yeah. yard guy consistently every single game like Chris right. Godwin is, but man, they could use Scotty Miller right now. Yeah, for sure. And he should be back this week too. So it'll be interesting to see long lost Glazer PFT said Daniel Jones is zero for seven in prime time. Uh, yes, that's correct. And Tom Brady has not lost three games in a row since 2002. That's probably why you see the line that you do for this yeah. game. What is it? 11 points. Maybe I, I think it would be either 10 and a half or 11 and a half. Yeah, this would be pretty rough territory for the Bucks if they lose this game for sure. Hezo says, John, do you think bulls would be better off playing more press man blitz given that in zone defense is dying by a thousand cuts with no pass rush. I won't get too into the weeds on this. Hezo, but here's my just general thought on coverage. If you're not multiple and if you're spot dropping in, in teams and quarterbacks, know where you're going to be immediately post-snap. They just have to figure out which one of your D linemen is dropping into coverage and not throw there. It's just too easy. And so that's why you see every year really high completion percentages against the Bucks. Yeah, they take away big plays pretty well, 
for the most part. Um, you know, they've only allowed two 40 plus yard pass plays all season, uh, which is, I think, what um, near the top of the league. I think it's second in the NFL. And both of those were to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, one was a catch and run, so it wasn't even down the field. So, yeah, they they have really not they've done a great job of that. But the problem is when you're spot dropping, nobody's even really looking deep. They've stuff open underneath all the time. And that's why quarterbacks completion percentage are just so high against the Bucks because they're just spot dropping into space. Quarterbacks know where guys are going to be spot dropping to. And so they're just throwing – what receivers are just going to the voids and quarterbacks are just throwing there very quickly. So if you're not pattern matching more, even if you're lined up in zone and then matching out of the zone, um, yeah, you're just – you can't survive the way Bulls defense in, in today's NFL. And if he had kept playing that way in the playoffs, they would have lost in the playoffs too when he changed things up. That was the whole thing for their success in the playoffs was that he changed up so much of what he does. Now they're playing so much cover two this year and just there's so much space. It's, it's just like the, they're basically moving backwards on the timeline of where coverages are in the NFL rather than forward where like all the best defenses in the league are going. And so this is one of the reasons why I just – I don't – until Bulls – like when he changed what he did in the playoffs, I was like, all right, like this is – if he sticks with this, this is good. But he hasn't, and so I've just kind of out on him um, to be honest. Um, but the Blitz, yeah, the Blitzes aren't helped by the fact that there's soft coverage underneath them for sure. More of those would get home if there weren't so many easy outlets and easy reads for quarterbacks. Um would be more difficult for coverages, sure. And they've had. I would just. I would love for them to play more man. I mean, you look at a guy, and again, we don't know when Carlton Davis is going to be back and Sean Murphy bunting. But if Jamel Dean's your number one corner just by default, and he's, you know, his strength is more in in man coverage and press man. I'd rather them play more man and blitz. And you know, if if occasionally the big play is allowed because of it, then so be it. That's why you have a great offense and you can overcome it. It's just. Things need to change. I feel bad about getting on Todd Bowles' case because it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Todd Bowles. I think it's also O.J. Howard's birthday, so happy birthday to O.J. Howard. I know he's not really the number one uh, most loved Buccaneer right now either, but I'm getting a little tired of, oh, like Vita Vea dropped back in coverage. This is so This is so zany. This is like no one's seen it because now they're doing it too often where it's like, yeah, all right, it was cool when it was a novelty one time, but now he's dropping back multiple times. Joe Tryon Trianka drops back more than he pass rushes. It's it's not an exotic thing anymore. There's tape right. on it. People have seen it. It's time to go back and make those adjustments. And whether it's playing man and coming up with different blitz schemes, I think we need to see that with this Bucks defense because right now it's it's just not getting the job done. And I don't really think it's just necessarily because everyone in the secondary is injured. Right. Yeah. Um, Alex says, is this offensive scheme a premier scheme in the NFL? Um, not sure exactly what you mean by that, Alex. Bruce, I will just say this and we can move along. Maybe if you want to like make that more specific, we could answer it a little bit easier. But, um, I will say that Bruce Arians has pretty much always had offensive success in the NFL. Like, statistically, it doesn't mean like they've always been the most efficient or that they haven't turned, they haven't had quarterbacks with turnover issues before Brady. Uh, obviously, not with Brady, but and and sacks have been part of the problem before and they have adjusted and, and adapted to some things, but he's pretty much always had success in the NFL. Like they've always put up points, always been yards, always been near the top of the league in those categories, red zone offense. Um, So every offensive scheme I would say has some flaw or drawback or thing you could pick at. And there's certainly things with Aaron's scheme, but in terms of the scheme offensively, yeah, I think it's premier scheme. Now the question is everybody is, you know, you could have a great scheme until somebody does something to take away your, what you do best. And then how do you adjust to it? So the NFL is all about adjustments. I think a scheme in and of itself is great. The adjustments Sometimes that's like schematically how advanced you are, but most of the time it's just how willing you are to accept the new reality that a defense has given you and, you know, how quickly you can implement um, those new concepts and things. So it took the Bucks a while last year, but they did it and won the Super Bowl, obviously. So I um, think just real quick, I think the best way to phrase it would be um, you obviously need the right quarterback for this offense. And if you get the quarterback that can master it and understand it, which Bruce Arians obviously has had the, the benefit of with, most of the places that he went to, if you get the, obviously every team wants the right quarterback, but if you can get a quarterback to master the Bruce Arians offense, you will have one of the best offenses in the league where there's other teams around the league where sure you want to have a great quarterback, but you could like, like San Francisco, you can go in and put in your, your backup quarterback and still have a decent amount of success, but you still at your best wouldn't reach the same potential that a Bruce Arians offense could. That's how I would phrase it personally. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Alex wants to know, why don't we play more man coverage given our corners? I mean, I think part of it was like why they don't match at least out of zone and, and give some more looks. Part of it was because of the injuries. But even when they didn't have the injuries, it wasn't something they did a ton of last year. There are games where Bulls will like roll out man coverage. Last week was not one of them. I think they played five man coverage snaps against Washington, so there wasn't a lot of it. Um, and it was a reason why Heineke was just so able to be so efficient is he knew where everybody was going to be on every given play. It's just very easy in terms of reading it out for opposing quarterbacks. Same thing last year. I've talked about it a bunch of times before. If you look at the bottom 10 defenses and completion percentage allowed by opposing quarterbacks, it's like nine non-playoff teams in the Bucs. <laughs> Last year's <laughs> bottom 10. Um, nine teams with losing records and then the Super Bowl champs. Um, you know, and to give them credit, they got it together in the playoffs. Yeah. And like I said, changed everything up. And all of a sudden it wasn't the same sweet ride that it was before for other teams. Um, why Bulls doesn't see that and think we could do this every week is crazy to me um but he's gone with is, the rope of dope mentality yeah I kinda, it's actually I not that crazy it. to me you <laughs> saw this for years though bulls is extremely stubborn you talk to anybody who covered the jets and they'll be like dude we wondered for years why it didn't change this or this and this when it clearly didn't work and he just never it would be a game but never consistently always went back to what he did he always thinks it can work again um so yeah, I don't know. I, I really I can't I can't fully answer that question for you, Alex. When they're healthy, at least it's uh, it's strange to me. Um, all right, let's roll down here. Um, have Damien says have teams figured out how to run the ball against us now? I don't think so, Damien. The um, Washington had some play? success, but well, they I mean, like yeah, two point five overall. Yeah, they ran it when they needed to. Yeah, they did the last drive, but it was just about being in manageable down and distances. That was the thing. Like, yeah, they had six runs that lost yardage against the Bucks. Teams might try to teams might try it more now, not even because of the Washington game, but because of Vita Vey being out. And I understand the Bucks obviously still had the number one rush defense, even when Vey was out last season. But you know, it's a new it's a new year. Dom Sue maybe isn't exactly the same. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if other teams tried to run it more against the Bucs, I think the Bucs would obviously welcome that because it means they don't have to drop back in zone coverage and, the, right. and defend the pass. Yeah. Um, Ray, by the way, this is a question for you here, Matt. Took Washington plus 10 last week when in retrospect taking the money line would have been more lucrative. Should I risk it all on the Giants money line this week? I wouldn't. Just because you look at Daniel Jones' 0-7 record, you look at the fact that Brady hasn't lost in mm. however long it was, over a decade. Um Money line would be a great, great payoff, but I think it's a little too risky. You know what? Since it's a Monday night game, see how much up or down you are on Sunday, and then if you got a little, if you got a little bankroll after winning big on Sunday, sprinkle a little bit on the money line. But uh, depending on what you're at, I would probably stay away from money line and maybe just go with the the Giants and the points. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting one, uh, but. I agree with you for sure. Um, Jermaine says, who's holding the coaches accountable? They're just sticking to what they know and no creativity at all. I'm never quite sure what people mean when they say who's holding the coaches what, accountable. Like ownership, the GM? Yeah, like if they aren't successful, they will get fired. Like that just like like week to week. And especially when people yell at the media, like somebody needs to hold these. We can ask a question, but you know, we're not holding them account. Like we don't have any power over them. So it's just, you know, it's it's kind of like an odd question. And also, always like, Ultimately, whether they're successful or not will determine whether they're going to stay in their jobs or not. And they won the Super Bowl last year. So, like, we don't right. really have so to talk if, about if, guys if I'm fired. Bruce Arians, if I'm Bruce Arians or Todd Bowles or, or Byron Leftwich, I'm saying, hey, we're still six and three and we just won the Super Bowl. Like, let us do our thing and we'll worry about it at the end of the season. But we got a good thing going. Like, why? <laughs> don't question me now. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Like, <clears throat> I like we are not like in no context for the Bucks here. Are we talking about anybody getting fired? Like they won the Super Bowl last year. Like no coach, no one's getting, getting none of these fired. coaches are getting fired. So we just we don't even have to like talk about that. Like we don't have to act like that's on the table right now for anybody. Like, the Bucks would have to allow table. fifty points a game for the rest of the season, right? In so order like in that for way, like, no, someone to get like, fired. But but it could be years. Like from now, this could you know lead to they could be fired eventually if they play like this. You know so. Yeah, I just I don't think I really understand 
like who's supposed to hold them accountable. Like everybody else, they're just accountable for whether they win or, or lose. And that's every coach in the league. And if they lose long enough and they're not successful, then eventually their their jobs will be on the table, same as everybody else. But that's just not on the table here at all, really. Um, we saw Leftwich really grow as an OC while Bulls seems to have regressed. How concerning is it? I just think Leftwich is young. Like he's in his third season as, as offensive coordinator, really right. ever. I mean, he's the interim guy for the worst roster I've ever seen in the Cardinals <laughs> for a few games. But, you know, this is this is kind of it for it. Like, this is year three. He's halfway through. Um, they have had tons of success, uh, even with a, a turnover machine at quarterback and Jameis. Um, they still had a lot of offensive success. That's pretty crazy. Um, all the signs are pretty good in terms of pointing up for him, but we just need to see more. We need to see it for longer periods of time. We need to see how he keeps adjusting. Eventually we'll need to see him out from underneath Arians and, and in another role or with a, as an OC of the defensive head coach. And so we just, we can't really be sure as to where he's going as an OC. We just know that so far three, two and a half years in, it's been overwhelmingly successful. We can always quabble. Oh, well, he is a super talented roster. I mean, sure. Like, yeah, you're probably not going to be successful no matter how good you are as an OC if your roster sucks. So, I mean, like, I guess that's true. It's a team game. I always say that. I hate picking apart things like that. Like, all we know is that it's been good so far. Um, and so we'll just have to see where it keeps going. Bowles, to me, has just stayed the same. I mean, you watched him in New York. Like, to me, he's just the same guy, and he just thinks what he does is always going to work, and I just don't think it always does. He Often made some does. questionable things as a head coach too, just like with clock management and when to call timeouts and when to not call timeouts. I don't know. I always feel weird when a defensive coach becomes a head coach. Maybe I think I'm just scarred from Rex Ryan not knowing anything about offense. And it's just I just think like defensive coaches don't know how to manage like, oh, they just got a rookie quarterback or will this quarterback fit with the team? It's just in my head. It's not like there's not really a fact behind it besides mm -hmm. the whole Rex Ryan thing. But I was curious, like, let's just say in a hypothetical situation, if Bruce decides he doesn't want to coach anymore next season and both coordinators are still there, does Bowles get the nod as the head coach? I would think so over Leftwich, but I think it's a fair discussion to have. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on the table. Like, whenever that happens with Arians, if Bowles is still there, yeah, I think he'd be their first choice probably, which would be very, in my opinion, very bad for the Bucks. For the Bucks for the success, future success of the team, especially because at that point you're, you're probably already looking at it, the next quarterback. And obviously the, that's the most important variable who the next yeah. quarterback is, but who the next coach is. Right. Cause if Aaron's is gone, too. then Brady's probably like, ah, I'm not sticking right. around. For I mean, how were uh, bulls offenses and offensive coordinator choices in New York? Well, the first year was great. Cause again, well, he had Ryan Fitzpatrick, so it was all Fitz magic that first year. Cause it was Fitz. That was their, it was, that was, it was a good year. Is what's up. That was their good year, right? Yeah, they went 10 and yeah. 6. They didn't make the playoffs because they lost. Uh, uh, they right. had to go 11 and 5 to get the wild card that year, and they yeah. lost in Buffalo. But yeah. yeah, you had Fitz and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. It was an awesome offense. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. Who was just, the OC for that group? Chan Gailey was the offensive coordinator yikes, for a bit. <laughs> like, that's what I mean, though. Like, if you're a couple years the ago, oldest dudes, like the most throwback, like they took a guy like out of retirement I, just right. to. Like and in coach. today's NFL, if you're not like a cutting edge OC, you're just not going to last and your team's not going to be good. Like that's yeah. just it. I mean, look around the league. Look at all the teams that are successful around the league. If you're you're either an offensive guru like head coach or you're a defensive head coach with a great OC like Belichick or like Todd Downing uh, is a great OC for the Titans right now working around what they've got going on uh, for Mike Vrabel, um, you know, Pete Carroll's probably one of the only examples because Russell Wilson's been that good that he's, but now they're, they're bad too. And they've gone through a lot of OCs. They've had some yeah. solid OCs, but not anybody great. But most of the time, I mean, you just, so anyway, the next head coach hire is a long way off probably, but yeah, um, I just wanted to bring up the hypothetical. Yeah. I thought it'd be fun. No, I think, I think you're right. It is good. Um, okay. Let's see. Ooh, Corey says when we win the division, which wildcard team would you not want to face? Again, I think it goes down to the NFC West. Because it's either going to be the Rams or the Cardinals, and I'm, in this situation, I'm assuming a healthy right. Cardinals team. Yeah, so I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be. You're going to end up playing the the whoever's in second place in the NFC West, and I wouldn't want to play them. Do you really want to match up again against the Rams? Not really. The Rams have the box number. The Rams and the Saints just have the box number for whatever right. reason. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right, I'm seeing a lot of questions about the AB thing. Haven't really read the story yet. A couple more questions about play action. I know I don't know why they don't use it more. I really don't because I know why they say they don't, but I don't think that they're really being honest about that. So based on their what they actually do, um, here's a question from Frank. One thing I've noticed with play action with the Bucs is that Brady often gets pressure for some reason on those plays. He turns around and someone is right in his face. Maybe that's the reason. Frank, you might have like some selective memory of a few plays where that's happening that are that are really standing out in your head. His pressure rate off play action, like pretty much all quarterbacks, is very low. Um, so there there might be like one or two plays maybe standing out in your head where that's happened. I could think of like the Judon sack against the Patriots for an example um, of a play where where that happened. But by and large, yeah, that's definitely not the case. It helps um, against pressure too, which is another added advantage of it. Um, yeah, as soon as they started using play action, the Washington football team, the offense started to move the ball. Yeah, it was like a couple of plays down the field, touchdown on their first uh, touchdown drive of the game. It, it is um, pretty strange, but that's, uh, that's where it goes. Okay, let's get to some of these two. We have a bunch of super chats. I got to find them in here. Um, hang on, I'll find them. Oh, in the meantime, while I'm looking for these super chats, why don't you tell our friends about uh, the uh, wonderful opportunity they have to do some bowling over at Pin Chasers. Oh, yeah. Pin Chasers is a proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Three locations, including one on Armenia, right down the road from the Buccaneers facility. Um, it's a great family-friendly atmosphere. Uh, the owners, Anthony, uh, is a huge Bucks fan, so you would go and be supporting a, a fellow Bucks fan. They have so many great deals. And another thing I just learned last week, they're open pretty much 365 days out of the year. If you want to go bowling on Thanksgiving next week, you can go bowling then. Um, I believe they open late on Christmas as well, too, if, uh, if you're in the area and you want to go. But they have they have all those great fun events, and they have events every single night, whether it's uh, Tuesday night pizza night, where you can get unlimited pizza and bowl for $11.99. Um, you have unlimited bowling tonight, same price, $11.99 and $1 Miller Lights. You can go... Watch a Thursday night football game. Go bowling. Have a great time. Um, their 10-pin grill serves a ton of different food, including breakfast food. So you can have breakfast for dinner. Um, so many great deals, like I said. Uh, just a fun time to bring friends and family out. Bowl. Have a good time. And, again, you're supporting proud Bucks fans. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or set up a future uh, bowling party event for your kids or a night out with coworkers and Ooh, friends and family, pinchasers.net. Yeah. I'm all about that. I love it. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, and here we go uh, into some of these super chats uh, that we got here. Robert Farmer, we appreciate the $5 super chat uh, as always. Um, and Ray says, not only that, but Byron doesn't use motion either. Actually, the Bucks use motion in one of the highest rates in the league. Byron just likes to pretend that he doesn't use motion. When we asked him about this, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, all this motion, blah, blah, blah. They use motion in one of the highest rates in the league. They were number four in the league in motion. Now, motion at the snap, uh, a little bit different. Uh, they are not one of the highest-ranked teams in that regard. Uh, but that's all. Results with that have kind of been all over the place. I don't think that's debilitating that they're not. But in terms of motion in general, yeah, they are one of the highest rates in the league uh, now. So. That's a good sign for them uh, turning the other way. Here, uh, Damien says, did Rojo get a carry last game? No, he did not, right? One snap. He no played carry. one snap, and Bruce Arians said that was because he wanted to get him into the game, but they had so many less snaps than they normally do, in large part because the Washington football team essentially had the ball for the entirety of the fourth quarter, so Rojo right. wasn't able to get in there. But yeah. um that and the we'll fact see that how true down, that is. Yeah, down 16-3 didn't help either. Yes, yeah. that too. Um, Robert Farmer, we need to uh, appreciate the $10 Super Chat again, Robert. Uh, we need to start holding our players accountable. Drops, penalties, missed assignments, and more drops. Will the coaching staff ever prioritize discipline and execution? I don't think it's that they don't prioritize it. Uh, you know, this is just the reality right now. Like drops for the Bucks last year were atrocious. This year they have been better. Yeah, uh, they still rear their head at some some ugly moments, but they have been better. Every team deals with them. You got to be able to overcome them. Most of the time this year they have been able to. Um, against Washington, they were not able to. Obviously, penalties 
are an issue still um, moving in the right direction. I think they're down to, in terms of the number of penalties, the type of penalties is where I get on board with you 100%, Robert, here. Um, yeah, I False start first play of the game. Just <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that. I have no clue what to put that on, except that two of the three years Arians has been in Tampa Bay, the Bucs have been near the top of the league in offensive pre-snap penalties. All three years, they are at the top of the league, like at the top of the league. Like no one's even close to the amount of defensive offsides and neutral zone infractions collectively that the Bucs have accumulated over the last three years. I have no clue. Like, I mean, you're talking about some of the most disciplined players in the league, like in terms of work ethic and demeanor and intensity and approach to the game. I mean, Adama can Seuss, Dee McClendon, like Will Golston, like Jason Vier Paul, Shaq Barrett. I mean, come on. Like these are not like dudes who like lose focus and do all kinds of dumb stuff throughout a game and lose assignments and all that. Like none of them are, but they, for whatever reason, they cannot stop jumping before the snap. And maybe I really don't know, but I did see in training camp this year and I wasn't at training camp last year. Obviously I still lived in PA at the time. Um, but in training camp this year, they would go through and they would practice not jumping like a lot of yeah. days to start practice as a whole defense in general. So I know it was worked on in that regard, how much that is compared to other teams. I mean, you're in the NFL. You just, you shouldn't need to spend a lot of time working on that. Like players need to step up. And that's to Robert's point. I don't <laughs> think to the first part of your point, Robert, holding the players accountable. Let's talk about that. The coaching staff prioritizing discipline and execution. I don't know that they don't. I don't. We haven't seen any evidence of the fact that they don't prioritize those things. Um, this isn't a team going around and around. I know the Saints game, Devin White. There was a couple things, but let's be honest. Only the taunting one was actually like something legit. Um, but like this isn't a team going around like losing their cool, punching people. You know, uh, right? Yeah, they're not breaking out into fights. Yeah, like uh, again, Bruce Arians has the accountability run. sheet. Right. I mean, right. I don't know. People are like, oh no, my name's on a list. Like I'm. Uh... Yeah. Um, so, Scott Reynolds brought up a good point about benching players for making mistakes. Yeah, that, and that's it goes back to the players accountable part thing. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I think it might have to get to that point. Like defensively with the defensive line, what's been going on for three years is hard to even wrap your mind around the fact that these guys are still jumping offside. Like it's just crazy to me that that has not gotten better with all the older, more experienced. Like you, you think a guy like Dominican Sue or JPP, they do that once and then they're like, all right, like. Now it's in my head. Like I'm not doing, you know, especially these third down situations, everybody's trying to do, get us to jump. And yet they're still every week they're jumping. Like it's, there's no words for it really. I, I can't, yeah. I, I just, I honestly don't know, Robert, what the answer is to that. Like Sue is 34 years old. If he jumps offside, you think benching him is going to help? Like Will Golson's going to be 31. Like you think benching, well, I just don't know if it is. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I have no clue if that actually helps at that point. Like, and I don't know that another player would like play Nacho. Well, what if he jumps? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. He's jumped. He's point, jumped plenty. Shaq's jumped. JBB's jumped. You're going to you're gonna have to take like defense. a, you're going to have to take a reserve offensive lineman and put him on the defensive right. side of the I'm, floor. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I mean. I just don't know how much it gets better since it's a unit wide issue. I think they just have to stop doing it. Like, I know that's oversimplification maybe, but it, it seems like they just got to stop doing it. Um, yeah. Will we see more carries for Rojo this week? Billy Price wants to know. I think more than uh, zero. More than zero. <laughs> Seems like a safe bet. Who knows? So, Maybe yes. the Bucks will go down 20 nothing to start the game. Yeah, I think we will. I hope I'm wrong about that. Though. I hope I, no one clips this. And, yeah, and then that, uh, <laughs> that will not be good. Um, how concerned are you with Bulls' lack of improvement? Kind of touched on it. Yeah, I mean, it was a concern coming into the year for me. Just wasn't sure that he was going to be that guy that he was in the playoffs. And unfortunately, those four um, – those fears have been a little bit confirmed here. Um, Greg wants to know what happens first, a Darden touchdown, a Rojo touchdown. The Rojo has scored once this season. Yeah, and a he Perryman scored in New England. Or a Perryman touchdown. That's a good question. Another Rojo touchdown, I guess. Yeah. Um, wow. I think well, another Rojo a touchdown. lot of it depends on Antonio Brown. Yeah, if, if, if Antonio, Antonio Brown gets Brown, suspended. If for... he, right. If, if Brown gets suspended – We've kind of already seen with Brown not playing that Darden is getting a lot more snaps. Um, I think I would still pick Rojo because there's just always that situation where the Bucks are at the goal line and Leonard Fournette already played a, a lot of snaps and needs a quick breather, so Rojo comes in. I would bet Rojo, but again, if something happens to AB, um, it could very likely be Darden. Yeah, for sure. 
Speaking of things that are very likely, very likely you could win yourself a little bit of money, Matt, if you go over to underdogfantasy.com and you use the promo code pewter as a first-time depositor. And what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and double your first deposit. So if you put in $10, boom, they're going to match it with $10. If you put in $50, they're going to match it with $50. Up to $100, they will double your first deposit. So you put in $100, they're going to put in $100, and now you've got $200 to play with. And boy, is there a lot to do at underdogfantasy.com. There are tournaments to get yourself into with big chances to win lots of money in those my favorite thing is the player stat lines the betting over under on the player stat lines with the prop bets feature i love that the app is terrific easy to navigate probably easiest site to navigate for this kind of stuff that i've ever seen um so great place to go underdogfantasy.com they'll double your first deposit use that promo code pewter win yourself some money today uh with some of the games that they have and then when you win that money Head on over to livinggolflife.com, Matt. These guys have got some great apparel going up. Look at these golf shirts. I know you wear those out on the course. You've been out there hitting some golf balls around. This this shirt, this polo make you play any better, Matt, the hat? It makes me feel better when I'm playing. Um, you know <laughs> so what? No I've, actually, it'll transform I've actually putted better since oh. I started wearing Living Golf Life logo. I don't know what okay. the location is. Look good, feel good, play good. I just wow. answered my own question. I have putted better. I'm good off the tee, and I'm pretty solid with my irons, but I can't chip and putt. My putting has been better since I wore the Living Golf Life wow. uh, apparel. But, yeah, they are a great website. They're a golf brand, but they're also a lifestyle brand, especially for everyone here watching. I assume the majority of you live in Florida or a warm-weather state uh, where you're golfing all year round. Um, it's all about just being in the outdoors, being with your friends, having a good time, enjoying the good hits that you do get. Because sometimes they're few and far between. If you're a golfer like myself, I usually shoot around the 90s. Um, but yeah, they have hats, polos, glass mugs, koozies, decal stickers, anything you want. Obviously, Christmas is right around the corner. Give Thanksgiving its day. But Christmas is coming up soon in a, in a couple of a uh, little, little over a month. Uh, it's a great yeah. gift to get uh, a family great member gifts. or a friend. Um, super comfy, living golf life. It's a golf brand, it's a lifestyle brand, it's everything that you want it to be in super comfy clothing. Make sure you go to livinggolflife.com and check out their Instagram as well. Give them a follow because they're always doing fun giveaways and you can get all of that good stuff right there. Love it. Uh, Bull Champs 37 says coverage isn't really the problem. It's the tackling. Dean and off was a good call. He read the play, but he missed the tackle and it was a big game. That's true. That play was definitely a player that was egregious. issue. Not a, yeah, not a, that was a great call all the way across the board by Todd Bulls on that play. And there's been enough of those that it takes the heat off Bulls too. Like, you know, coverage isn't really the problem. Bull Champs says, I agree for most of the year, but there were definitely examples in this game where coverage was a big issue. I mean, D Delaney got toasted on that touchdown. If it had been, a better throw would have looked even worse because he got beat <laughs> so bad. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're setting Ross Cocker a little bit for this game. Uh, Bull said it was what a matchup thing to you today. He said Mike Edwards um, stepped in for him in the slot. I think they were just going. He said they, they do things differently. And yeah, heavy zone defense. Plan. I bet they like Edwards there more. And then when they go more man, Cockrell's probably a guy that they like. But obviously, they just need to get healthy in the secondary. You know, we'll see if that helps or not, uh, Bull Champs. But yeah, it's not been the biggest issue to me, but it's been part. It's definitely getting to be part of the issue. And as they play better quarterbacks, it will get to be more and more of the issue. Uh, will says, has AB proved to be too valuable to cut for a non-violent indiscretion like faking a vaccine card as the Times is reporting? Uh, nothing floors me, Will, especially because like, but I would be surprised to see him cut unless there's some type of deception toward the team that he's displayed. I, I don't know. And I don't even know if this is true, like, if it is true, then maybe because he's on thin ice anyway. Right. He's kind of got a like no margin for error, really. Right. But, but obviously can, he's can been dominating when he's played. I'm yeah. not saying that like, oh, keep him. He's playing well. But, yeah. you know, he does something. Right. I mean, let's be honest. They signed him because winning. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, it really depends on this situation, how it plays out. Obviously, if he did this and they can prove it and he admits it and stuff, and he's not vaccinated and he was lying, you know, and he was what, uh, work operating under vaccinated protocols. I mean, you know, all that stuff. Um, obviously, the Bucks have been under the impression that he was vaccinated here. Um, I've already seen the conspiracy theories swirling online on Twitter about like, was he actually injured this whole time? 
I mean, <laughs> if he, he wasn't injured, then he, he worked should on get the into sideline. an acting career because yeah. there are some videos of him limping around and for like he was, he's not just of one therapy with actual like people, like yeah. actual like therapists, like and doctors and doing the training exercises to recover his foot. His foot is physically you can see the swelling on his foot. Like this is, you know, like this is just no way. And a guy business. that wanted to come back and play so badly. I don't think all of a sudden it's just like, ah, uh, you and know we what? We literally saw him on the sideline during the I'm going to take, I'm going to take three, I'm going to take three games off because I just, yeah, I want to come back and play and it was fun, but I need a little time. Right. I mean, people with check marks, man, like, come on, like be better, be better. Um, yeah. All right, uh, let's keep rolling here. Um, I don't think he gets cut is the answer is the quick answer to your question, Will. But also, I don't know the extent of this thing at all or how provable it is. So uh, we're going to have to um, see on that. Terrence says, any more thoughts on why Brady checked down so much Sunday? You could definitely watch Monday's show. And Paul and I kind of – we went through literally every offensive play from the game or every pass play from the game other than design screens just to see what Brady was seeing on every play. Um a lot of it was how Washington was playing. Several times it was interior pressure. Um, there was a lot of different layers to it. A couple times late in the game, especially twice on the drive that he hit Evans for the touchdown, actually, thought he could have hit him twice more on that same drive. So it didn't end up hurting him, I guess, on that drive because they scored it anyway. It was once on the drive earlier where I felt like he could have gone somewhere else. But yeah, for the most part, it just was like not enough plays. There were interior pressure on plays, so he didn't have time to move to the other side of the progression on a couple of plays. He just had to get the ball of his hands. Um, I think it was really more than anything. I mean, you just limited sample size of plays. You have 34 dropbacks and what, 20, or was it 34, 32, and 27, 26 of those are actual, like not designed screens or something like that. So you have interior pressure on, you know, six of those, seven mm -hmm. of those, you know, then all of a sudden you're down to, you know, the, a limited number of sample size plays that you actually like can make something happen with. So big part of it was not being able to be on the field enough. And, and some of it's unfortunate, like, you know, that they'll, Break should have been, you know, they should have been on the field that first drive of the third quarter. Break gets held, no call, you know, little things like that. Uh, if it's a consistent pattern, I get concerned one game. I'm not really, I don't have any overwhelming concern, especially when Brady, you know, is throwing it down the field at the rate that he is. Um, and so I don't have any concerns about it really. It just, I felt like there just wasn't a lot of options necessarily in this game with the way Washington was playing. But then late in the game, it felt like there were a couple times where he checked down where I was like, all right, like you could have gone down the field further in this situation like i said they end up scoring on that drive anyway so we'll see we just need they just get back out there get back to it again they need evans on the front side of progressions a little bit more there's one game just a lot of things that went wrong right not, and not plus they're, they're much better at home it's that's just been the case this year so yeah but i mean they need to play better on the road for sure it's of course because they're going um, in the postseason they they're not going to get the number one seeds well they could yeah. i guess but i wouldn't predict that so they are yeah. going to have to win on the road yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jack wants to know: Think Jay Edelman becomes a Buck next year? Absolutely not. Nope. Do not think he is. Uh, he fits uh, the Bucks' offense uh, a lot. I'm trying to make sure we got all the super chats. I think we got them all. I'm pretty sure we got yeah. them all. Hopefully. Thank you to everyone that did give us. Yeah, this chat. is great. Really great super chats. Great questions from people. Hopefully, we got to a lot of your questions. Wish we knew more about the AB situation in terms of legitimacy and all those kind of things. We will be talking about it in upcoming pods. I'm sure that, and I'm yeah. going to hear from Bruce Arians tomorrow at, at, if we don't hear from the team earlier. Um, so, yeah, we'll wait for those kind of things. What happens here, Rappaport, Schefter, those people tend to start asking questions once a report like this comes out, and they tend to have some answers. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something up on PeterReport.com by the end uh, of the day for sure when it comes to the situation. We'll just have to keep monitoring it um, and, uh, and keep, um, yeah, keep uh feeling it out and seeing what happens with this situation obviously um so yeah i think uh something the bears watch watching for sure could definitely be discipline coming down although aaron Rodgers wasn't disciplined i don't even know how many i'm so confused trying to figure out if he actually violated any <laughs> like it was just i think not the packers got fined they did get fined yeah right yeah, they I got mean, like, fined uh, no like suspension i guess is what i meant um so right but this is different because the league's been known of Rogers' status, right? Rogers yeah. lied. So Rogers, and I'm putting this in quotations. If you're listening to this on the audio, yeah, he version. lied to the media. He lied the, to the media, but not the the NFL. Correct. Yeah. So this is a different situation because I'm pretty sure AB was operating under vaccination. Right. I mean, Bruce Aaron said the whole time the whole team is 100. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Vaccinated. So he must. Right. 
So the team either was lied to and the league was lied to. Or the, the, or the, or the Bucks true. are going along with it, which I don't believe that's the case because that is a, no. would be a horrible <laughs> situation and a terrible story yeah. to get involved with. I'm not saying the Bucks are doing that. They're definitely not doing that, but I'm saying. No. <laughs> that would be. That would be the most shocking thing to me for sure. Um, no, I don't see that at all. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, in this situation, AB uh, himself he was definitely operating under vaccinated protocol. So yeah, he neither he either has been lying this whole time, or maybe he thought about lying and didn't do it, or maybe this whole thing's a misunderstanding or a lie. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of options, and we just have to figure out um, what happens. And I'm sure that we uh, will. Well, no, <laughs> Tony said. Tony said, "Is JC Allen suspended? <laughs> Haven't seen him in a bit." No, he was. Uh, he has had some stuff going on for himself, and he will be back uh, on the show here pretty soon. Uh, but he will be on. He should be on Monday night, actually, as long as he's not in bed. <laughs> he should be on for the next yeah, late podcast game Monday. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll be off Friday, Saturday, um, unless some there's some big emergency thing with AB. Maybe we'll have to jump in, but we'll probably be off the next two days on the show, and then off. Uh, Sunday, obviously, for the games. And then Monday, we'll be back. Monday, we'll have the pregame show um, at 7.30. And then in-game live stream will be going from game time on uh, throughout the game with Paul and myself. We're breaking down everything, X's and O's, player evaluation, all that stuff, while the game's happening. Uh, so you can watch the game along with us. And then after the game, about 45 minutes after the game, we'll have the Peter post-game show. And we'll go live on the post-game podcast. We'll break everything down that happened in the game. We'll look ahead all that good stuff on the post-game show. Um, so it's good stuff. Uh, it's going to be coming up on the Peter Report podcast. And then obviously, PeterReport.com will have you covered with everything going on in the Bucks in this IAB situation as well. So until then, thanks so much for listening, everybody, to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Are you ready for some football, a Monday night party? Everyone enjoy the football on Sunday. We'll see you on Monday for the Bucks game. Out.